Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Monday, January 10th, 2010. No, 2011. <laughs> it did it. I knew I ah. Yeah, I'm just uh, going to have to go with it. Yeah, see, I, I'm uh, still not used to it. I hate this. I hate this. The older I get, the longer it takes. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there, and oh man, it's a just, it's one of those big news days because of the uh, uh, shooting of, uh, you know, the murder of the uh, congresswoman there in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else saying they're to blame. Yeah, it's just rather interesting to kind of watch. And uh, and of course, you know, <laughs> yeah, Fred Phelps of Westboro Baptist Church, he's chimed in. And so we'll have to be listening to his take on what's going on and uh, spend a little bit of time kind of reviewing the basic concepts of law and gospel. I, the way I look at it is is that when things go crazy like this, it, it this is a good time to review the basics, you know, the the basics of the Christian faith. And, and one of the basics of the Christian faith is a proper distinction between the law and the gospel. And who better to help us learn that lesson than Shirley Phelps Roper and Fred, uh, Fred Phelps? I mean, ah, yes, it's just going to be... Glorious isn't the right word. Um, depressing? Um, instructional? Uh, yeah, I'm still reaching, still reaching. Nope, haven't found the right word. Anyway, we'll just have to move along, and you'll kind of have to catch up with me. I, You know what's funny is, is that today's program, over and again, it's like, you know, I, as I find things that you know to talk about and discuss on the program, it, it just seems like, uh, well, I'm always um, fi- just finding the craziest things, and... Um, worried that I yeah, that I may overdo it. It's just it's one of those things. I don't know if I have enough program to get everything in today and uh you know plus I thought I would do something a little bit easier <laughs> on the sermon review side today uh just because of how challenging my life is at the moment. Uh it it's you know, I'll, I don't know if I'll explain but anyway 
uh, let's just say there's a lot to do, little time to do it, and uh, it has to do with the fact that uh, I'm holding down the fort while my wife is at the funeral for Aunt Betsy. So it, <laughs> I really am not good at holding down the fort. Nope, I yeah, I stink at it. That's just all there is to it, and don't tell my wife. And honey, if you're listening to the podcast right now, just turn it off for like the next 10 seconds. That's all there is to it. Yes, I stink at holding down the fort. Just want to get that off my chest. Anyway, uh, so it's like, you know, how many things can I, you know. And by the way, I, I, you all know that I have a new puppy. We've had the puppy for you know, a little more than a week. And uh, and I'm I'm thinking that, uh, by the way, I named the, the puppy Luther. I think Luther needs a middle name. Yeah. Piddle. Anyway, yeah, Luther Piddle. Rosebro. Anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, don't, if you don't know what I'm referring to, I don't really care to explain beyond that. So on today's edition of Fighting for the Faith, I, there's, uh, okay, there's a lot of stuff I want to get in. Uh, I've, I've alluded to Shirley Phelps Roper, the Westboro Baptist folks, and their take on the uh, the shooting of the, of the congresswoman from Arizona. Um, we will get to that. Uh, so one of our themes today in the program is going to be law and gospel. Before we get to that, though, um, those of you who follow me on Facebook and Twitter, well, know that over the weekend, uh, let's just say that one of my tweets slash uh, Facebook updates led to a discussion that inspired me to, um, how do I put it, um, to, well, to write some satire. And I, I actually wrote the script out for the satire uh, you know, between <laughs> between nighttime piddles with Luther, and um, and so uh, and I posted it on my uh, on my blog. But I, you know, I thought you know, it, it, I think it would be it would reach a far bigger audience if I if I actually took this and turned it into something. And so what I did today is uh, I well, hang on a second here. Let me pull up my blog. If you follow me at letter of mark dot us l e t t e r hang on a second l e t t letter of o f m a r q u e dot us letter of mark dot us that's my uh, the current blog that I'm blogging at. I uh, wrote a satire piece, posted up there today, entitled "The 2011 Guide to Mega Church Easter Entertainment." The 2011 Guide to Mega Church Easter Entertainment. And rather than read it to you, um, I've enlisted the help of uh, a seeker-driven youth pastor. Um, and, uh, and he's got a podcast that, uh, I, I just, I just have to share with you. And so without any further uh, ado, here is, um, that podcast. You're listening to the Catalytic Church Converter Podcast. I'm Stanley Andy, youth pastor at Abundant Life Church, and this is the podcast that teaches your congregation how to catalyze, transformize, and compromise so that the seekers in your community can have the church of their dreams. Now, today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing the 2011 Guide to Mega Church Easter Entertainment. Now, I know some of you are going, whoa, slow down there, Stanley. It's we just got done with Christmas. Yeah, I understand that. But you got to remember that the discriminating Christian consumer needs to make plans ahead of time for where they're going to celebrate Easter. So we're going to review this year's Mega Church Easter Entertainment Guide for those who are seeking the most relevant Easter entertainment experiences. 
For those of you thinking about traveling to Southern California, you may want to consider stopping by Saddleback Church in Lake Forest, California. Last year, Pastor Warren featured the Jonas Brothers as the headline act for the Saddleback Easter Entertainment Experience. This year, however, Warren hopes to outdo last year's performance by having Justin Bieber as the top billing at Saddleback's annual Easter show. Apparently, even Rick Warren has Bieber fever. Now, for those of you who enjoy Chicago in the spring, Willow Creek Church in South Barrington, Illinois, has their own experience. Pastor Bill Hybels, he's planning an Easter event the likes of which has never been seen in Protestant churches. Willow Creek's Easter entertainment extravaganza will include fireworks and an upbeat Easter medley performed by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Boy, I tell you, those Mormons sure do love Jesus, don't they? Now, heading down south to Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Ed Young at Fellowship Church there, he plans to take his congregation to a whole nother level by flying in via private jet, the 2010 sensation from America's Got Talent, the flamboyant and always entertaining Prince Poppycock. Now, heading down to the deep south to Anderson, South Carolina, and New Spring Church and Pastor Perry Noble, it's reported that Pastor Perry Noble had initially booked Marilyn Manson to headline New Spring's Easter experience. But Marilyn Manson canceled due to a religious conflict. Now, sources close to Manson have told us that he's not comfortable with the way that Perry Noble twists the Bible, and therefore, he felt that it would be a sacrilege for him to celebrate Easter at New Spring. Apparently, he's just a hater. But luckily for Pastor Noble, he was able to book Lady Gaga instead. Now, it should be noted that Pastor Noble stirred up some controversy when he divulged on Twitter that Lady Gaga would be wearing almost nothing during her performance. But Noble silenced his critics by telling them that he expects that over 1,000 people will be making a decision to be a Christ follower this Easter at New Spring after they see Lady Gaga's quote, Smoking hot body. Noble, unlike cowardly traditionalist pastors, is willing to do whatever it takes to help people make a decision for Jesus. Now, heading up north just a smidge to Charlotte, North Carolina, Stephen Furtick at Elevation Church will be featuring himself, Stephen Furtick, delivering his 1,000th sermon on his new book, Sun Stand Still. Said Furtick, quote, 1,000 sermons on the same topic is a milestone that no pastor has ever reached. But because of my audacious faith and my pure awesomeness, I have been able to climb my way to heights that no pastor before me has ever been able to reach. Now, this Easter, if you want to learn the secrets to being as audacious and awesome as Stephen Furtick, then you'll want to attend Elevation Church's Easter experience. Heading back down to Texas again, Fellowship of the Woodlands, Pastor Kerry Shook. Now, for years, people have been saying that watching a Kerry Shook sermon is like watching an episode of Oprah or Dr. Phil. So Kerry Shook shocked all of us when he announced that this Easter, both Oprah and Dr. Phil would be his special guest during Fellowship of the Woodlands Easter experience. Said Shook, quote, this year's Easter message will be inspiring, practical, and somewhat spiritual as Oprah and Dr. Phil and myself discuss some of the most common habits that hold people back from having the life of their dreams. 
Oh, that service sounds like it's going to be such a blessing. Okay, now heading back up north just a smidge to Indiana, Granger Community Church in Granger, Indiana, Pastor Mark Beeson. Now, you got to understand that attendance has been slipping there at Granger Community Church, and as a result of it, there's some folks in the seeker-driven ranks that aren't listening so much to the folks over there at Granger, and this doesn't really help. Mark Beeson, he actually may have committed a relevance fail when he announced that this year's Granger Easter show would feature the popular 90s boy band Hanson singing their 1996 runaway hit Mbop. Now, unfortunately, most people don't find the members of Hanson to be as cute and relevant as they were before they started shaving. But Beeson defended his decision by saying that, quote, the economic recovery has not arrived in northern Indiana yet, and times are still tough up here. We wanted to show people that we were good stewards of our limited finances, and because Hanson isn't that popular, we were able to book them cheap. In fact, those boys were so desperate to play a venue as large as ours that they were practically paying us to appear at Granger's Easter experience. Well, now that you know which entertainers will be headlining at the top megachurches in the country, make your travel plans early so that you can enjoy the Easter experience that is most relevant to you. This is Stanley Andy from the Catalytic Church Converter Podcast. Oh, man, the Catalytic Church Converter Podcast, Stanley Andy. Why... <laughs> Do I feel like I'm going to have to use his character uh, in the future? I just am. <sighs> yeah, so we put that together <laughs> quickly today. He's Stanley Andy from Abundant Life Church in his Catalytic Church Converter podcast. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll make that available as a standalone file um, and uh, post it with the podcast uh, when we uh, when we get this uh, posted. Uh, sometime in the next day or two, and uh, so that you can download it and share it with your friends. <laughs> oh, that's frightening! It's here's the deal. What's funny is is that uh, I you know, I posted the script for that, and you know as a as you know a satirical story at the Letter of Mark blog, and I'm already I you know I, I immediately started getting uh, comments from people basically saying, you know I couldn't tell this was satire until I got about you know three quarters of the way through it, you know. <laughs> You know, they say some of the best satire, it's got uh, more than just a a nugget of truth in it. Anyway, I'm not saying that this is the best satire out there, but I think it um, makes the point. One of the problems with the um, seeker-driven model. Loved one of the comments I got on my Facebook wall. Uh, One of of you all said, yeah, my church, we're just going to do the old-fashioned thing and and on Easter, we're going to focus on Jesus. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. So I think you got what I was driving at. Okay, uh, let's see here. Moving along. You know, let's, how do I want to do this today? It, this, is one, this is one of those days where the program um, is so, it's kind of all over the map that um, I'm not sure how to weave it all together. So I, I think I might just go with the uh, oatmeal approach, throw it all against the, uh, uh, the podcasting wall and just, you know, we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, I, I guess that's just kind of half the, how the way it's going to go. So, uh, you know, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's talk about the Ropers and, uh, their, uh, their take on things here. All right. 
From the uh, Fred Phelps Westboro Baptist Church YouTube channel, here is uh, Fred Phelps, uh, leader of Westboro Baptist Church, chiming in as to uh, what God's trying to tell us regarding the shooting of uh, the uh, Arizona, uh, one of Arizona's uh, Republican, uh, not Republican, but uh, Congresswomen. Yeah, here we go. Here's uh, Fred Phelps. Yeah, this is Westboro Baptist Church Video News. It has, literally, if you were to see the video on this, it has a God Hates Fags sign circling the planet Earth. Here's here's Fred Phelps. Thank God for the violent shooter, one of your soldier heroes in Tucson. Thank God. Thank God for a... Violence, yeah, um, no, I never thank God for murderers. Yeah, I'm sorry, Fred, but it's just one of those things I find myself uh, rejoicing about. But, you know, you're entitled to your religious views. God appointed the Afghanistan veteran to avenge himself on this evil nation. Now, how do you know that? How do you know that God appointed this shooter to avenge so that God can avenge himself on this nation? However many are dead, Westboro Baptist Church will picket their funerals. Well, there's a shock. We will remind the living that you can still repent and obey. Now, did, you, did you hear that? Hang on a second. I, I want you to... This is, see, this is the, this is, you're going to now experience the challenge that I'm going to have of weaving this all together. I want to back up the audio on this video just a smidge. I want you to hear what he said. This is a supreme confusion of law and gospel, and you need to hear it because he's not the only one making these uh, kind of mistakes lately. Um, But uh, listen again. We will remind the living that you can still repent and obey. Yeah, that's funny that you would say that because uh, Jesus Christ um, in Luke chapter 24 is quoted as saying that we, the church, are to go and proclaim repentance and the uh, forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name to all nations. Yeah, the repentance and the forgiveness of sins, not repentance and obedience. Yeah, see, that's kind of a confusion of law gospel categories. Yeah, and if you don't believe me here, uh, flip on, if you have your Bible, uh, you need to flip on over to Romans chapter 3. Romans uh, chapter Three and uh, what we'll do here is I just want to do just some basic long gospel with you, and uh, and what I'll do is I'll pause right here with Fred Phelps, you know, basically him saying everybody needs to repent and obey, and uh, so that you don't think that I'm reading into his uh, statement here, uh, I'd like to uh, quote for you uh, Fred Phelps's daughter Shirley Phelps Roper. What a lovely lady she is! I interviewed her back in July of 2009 here at Fighting for the Faith, but I'm going to play for you a couple of sound bites. One from my interview with uh, Shirley Phelps Roper, and another an interview that was done with Shirley Phelps Roper by Evan Gagline of uh, Table Talk Radio. And he asks Shirley Phelps Roper straight up what the gospel is. And uh, you got to hear her uh, response. But uh, let's do some biblical work before we do that. So if you have your Bible, flip on over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And uh, what we'll do here is... um, let the Bible, you know, explain law and gospel to us. So here we go. We'll start at verse 9. So what then? Are we any better off? Well, no, not at all. We have all, all we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, well, all are under sin. That is, 
as it is written in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 14, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use t- uh, their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Boy, this sounds a lot like the United States today, doesn't it? Uh, the, the, their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and, and in their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Sounds just like the United States. Anyway, we continue, verse 19. Now, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, you could say, for by obedience to the law, that's another valid way of looking at this, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified or declared righteous in God's sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets, they bear witness to it. The righteousness of God that is through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, not for all who obey, but the righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward, him, Jesus, as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, not obedience, but by faith. This was shown this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the former sins it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the one who and the justifier the one who declares righteous uh, the ones who have faith in Jesus Christ so what then becomes of our boasting well it's excluded by what kind of law will by a law of works no but by the law of faith For we hold that one is justified, that is, declared righteous by God in forensic court language. Uh, We hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Let me read that again. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? He is not the God of the Gentiles also. Yes, of course, the Gentiles also, since God is the one who will justify, declare righteous, the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. We do not then overthrow the law by this faith. Faith by no means. On the contrary, we uphold it. So when you, I mean, the Bible tells you actually how to properly handle law and gospel. These are not Lutheran distinctives, by the way. The Lutherans focus on this a lot, but this is not a this is not a Lutheran distinctive. This is a distinctive that's taught in the scriptures, and it's one that's binding to all of Christendom. And it's this idea that the purpose of the law, the Ten Commandments, wasn't to save you. The purpose of the law was to condemn you. The purpose of the law was to show you that you're a sinner, because through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the gospel is not you have to obey. The gospel is Christ died for your sins, repent, and believe. 
But notice that Fred Phelps, he said, repent and obey. You know, at least the uh, folks over there at Westboro Baptist Church, well, they're consistent. And so here is uh, Shirley Phelps Roper answering the question given to her and posed to her by Evan Gagline on uh, on uh, Table Talk Radio. Uh, this was a few years back. And uh, l- listen carefully to Shirley Phelps Roper to answer to his question about what the gospel is. He- here we go. How would you articulate the gospel? It's this, the message of the Old Testament and the New Testament. The good news is that not everyone is going to go to hell. Most people are, but not everyone. And the message of the Old Testament and the New, and a lot out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ, can be summed up in three words. Obey, obey, obey. There you go. That's the gospel. Obey, obey, and obey. Now, which kind of begs the question, uh, how well do you think Shirley Phelps Roper is uh, doing at the obey, obey, obey part? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked, um, because if you remember back in July of 2009, I interviewed Shirley Phelps Roper, and, uh, you know, I happened to ask her um, about, well, her, whether, you know, whether or not she is a sinner or not. And uh, I think it's worth listening to this uh, a couple of minutes of my interview from 2009 with Shirley Phelps Roper. Because remember, the gospel is obey, obey, obey. Well, let's see how, according to her in her own words, well, how how does she measure up? Does she obey, obey, obey? Here we go. Here's my interview with Shirley Phelps Roper. All right, let me ask you this. Are you a sinner? I'm a sinner. You know that I couldn't possibly answer that question any other way without just being a liar, which is a sin. Okay, now listen carefully at where I go with this. Remember, the gospel is obey, obey, obey. Right. So then you, you, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our well, trespasses. Well, yeah, that, that, Looky here. Don't don't use that terminology with me, hon. That is not the Lord Jesus Christ said, don't pray rotely. Don't call that the Lord's prayer. Don't do that. The sinner's prayer. Those are just terms of a nation of rebels. They've made the term Christian seem nasty to say. You know, it is it's so difficult to keep that lady on task when you ask her a question. Because you can call yourself anything and you can use terms. Why don't you just talk about prayer? The Lord Jesus Christ told us how we should pray, and he specifically said, don't do it rotely. Okay. So every time someone starts talking about our Father which art in heaven, blah, 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 you don't have an ounce of sincerity, so just don't say the word. Okay, so when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray, he said, when you pray, say this. Okay. Part of the prayer included petitioning God and saying, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive That's those. Right. And, That's and, right. and, and, and the implication really in the prayer is, is that asking God for the forgiveness of sins is a daily thing, not something you once did when you made a decision for Christ, if you could even do such a thing. But and it, it better be a daily thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you see what's going on here? Westboro Baptist says that America needs to repent and obey, that the gospel is obey, 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 but we've got a problem. Shirley Phelps Roper, the daughter of of Fred Phelps, she has admitted on my program in her own voice that she is a sinner and that she had better pray every day, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass 
against us. So that's kind of leads to the obvious question. Well, if um, the um, gospel that Westboro Baptist preaches is obey, 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 then how come Shirley Phelps Roper doesn't obey, obey, obey? You know what she sounds like to me? She sounds like one of those rebel sinners that she keeps picketing uh, the funerals for. It makes you wonder if is it possible that uh, that well that that shooter you know that uh, that tragically you know killed so many people there in Tucson if that wasn't god's judgment against the united states for putting up with such sinners as fred phelps and shirley phelps roper this makes you wonder we're going to take our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Hello, I wish to register a complaint. Uh, we're closing for lunch. Never mind that, my lad. I wish to complain about the sermon that I purchased a day ago from this very boutique. Uh, yes, uh, what, what's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it, my lad. It's a dead sermon, that's what's wrong with it. No, not possible. You just preached it wrong. Look, matey, I know a dead sermon when I preach one, and I know that the sermon I preached yesterday was certainly dead. Jesus Christ wasn't mentioned once, not even in the footnotes. No, no, you just weren't charismatic enough. Remarkable sermon, beautiful imagery. The imagery don't enter into it. It's stone dead. No, 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 no. You're just not open-minded enough. All right, then. If it's not dead, then I should be able to preach the gospel. I read a portion of it. Ahem. And then the camp counselor told all of the woodland creatures to become more righteous so that they, too, could get to the place called heaven. You, you see what I mean? This is ridiculous. There. I found the gospel in the sermon. No, you didn't. That was you just writing the word gospel on the cover of the room temperature sermon. Well, I never. Yes, you did. I, I never, never did anything. This entire sermon fails to preach anything that's worth anything to anyone. Now, that's what I call a dead sermon. No, no, no. You haven't looked deep enough into yourself. You must be joking. Yeah, well, you're just being divisive, and you refuse to accept the message that's being presented. Um, now, look. Now, look, mate. I've definitely had enough of this. That sermon is definitely rotten. And when I purchased it not but a day ago, you assured me that it was Christ-centered, cross-focused, and filled to bursting with the gospel. Well, if you would just read the title. Read the title? What kind of title is this anyway? Super Spiritual Happy Fun Friends Adventure Camp Pack. 
Well, this particular sermon is designed to draw large audiences, and that's what you said you wanted. It has lovely imagery. Look, I took the liberty of examining this sermon after I preached it, and I discovered the only reason why I bought it in the first place was because it had been put into the wrong sleeve packet. Well, of course it's in the wrong package, Steve. If I hadn't put a less suspicious cover on the sermon, you'd have had people chasing you just so that they can hear you preach it. Chasing me down the street? Mate, listen, people wouldn't be chasing me to hear this rubbish if I was firing midgets out of cannons. It's bleeding demise. You didn't buy the midget cannon expansion pack? The sermon has passed on. The sermon is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to me and its maker. It's a stiff. Bereft of life, it burns in hell. If you hadn't put it in the wrong package sleeve, I would be using it for Firestarter. The thought processes that brought it about are now history. It's off the twig. It's kicked the bucket. The bleeding choir invisible wouldn't listen to this sham. This is an ex-sermon. Uh, well, well, I, I better replace it then. Let's see. Uh, Christ-centered, uh, gospel, Jesus. Well, sorry, Squire. I've had a look around in the back of the shop and, uh, well... We're right out of well, whatever it is that you're looking for. I see. I see. I get the picture. I, I got a sermon here from Rick Warren. Does it contain Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice? Well, no, not really. Well, that's hardly a replacement, is it? Look, if, if, if you're really dead set on the whole Jesus thing, I suggest that you look up Pirate Christian Radio. All they do is talk about Jesus 24-7. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Pirate Christian Radio? Very well, I'll give them a try. Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Morning. If you think the good news is obey, 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 uh, you ain't ever going to make it to heaven because you can't obey enough because you sin daily, even if your name is Fred Phelps or Shirley Phelps Roper. Need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, financial contributions, in order to continue bringing this important, hard-hitting radio outreach to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us. This is a partnership. We do all the radio production work, put the program together, post the podcast, all that kind of stuff. And you sit there, you listen, you laugh, you cry, you grow, you learn, and you go, yeah, you know what? I want to partner with them so they can keep doing this. That's how this works. And the way you partner with us is visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. And when you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew, and when you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work, 
and Mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can make a one-time contribution by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send that along to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And thank you in advance for all that you do. And for those of you who are already members of our crew and continue to support us, thank you very much for all that you do. We could not be here without you. All right, uh, moving along here, um, kind of working off of this theme here of uh, the uh, incorrect distinction between law and gospel. If you have your Bible, flip on over to uh, Galatians uh, Galatians uh, chapter 1. I want to do a little bit of reading here. Um, Paul writes a a sternly worded letter to the folks in the uh, churches of Galatia. And the reason why is because some Judaizers had come in and basically were um, preaching a mixture of works and grace, faith and works, faith in the law in order to be saved. And uh, so the apostle Paul takes them to task. It it bludgeons them, if you would, uh, via the words inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to start uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. We read, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly... Notice he led off with the gospel there. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel that is contrary to the one we preach to you, um, let him be accursed, anathema, damned, if you would. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed accursed. Yeah, that's not very, um, that's not a very cool thing. So, and Paul in verse 11 says, for I would have, you know, brothers, that the gospel that I, that was preached by me is not man's gospel. It's not man's good news for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So where did Paul get his gospel from? Well, he got it from Jesus himself. Now I'm going to fast forward just a smidge here because, uh, you know, I'm, I just I'm trying to get over you know get to the um, you know the, the 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 meat of the matter. So if you have your Bible, flip a page over to Galatians chapter two verse seventeen. I'll just continue reading. Uh, but I would challenge you, um, not because I'm not purposely trying to make time to do this, but because it's, you know it's you know I'm already do I'm already giving you more verses than you would ever get at a seeker driven churches I'm <laughs> church, and you know, you got so many of them in context anyway. Yeah, read Galatians all the way through. I've actually done it on this program once, but read it all the way through. It's you would be shocked about uh, how the Bible so clearly delineates law and gospel and explains to you how you're to understand it. Here we go, Galatians chapter two, verse seventeen. But if in our endeavor to be declared righteous in Christ, we too are found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Well, certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For the, uh, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let me read that again. If righteousness were through the law, think obey, obey, obey. If righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no reason. Salvation really is a gift. When it says that we are saved by grace through faith and it is a gift of God, yeah, the Bible actually means that. It, it, and God the Holy Spirit means it. It means it's a gift. You don't have to earn it because if you earned a gift, it's not a gift. It's a wage. You, you understand what I'm saying? So um, if, if righteousness were through the law, obey, 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 then Christ died for no reason. And what was the gospel, the good news that Paul preached? Paul says, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and to the Twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. What's the gospel? Christ died for our sins. What's Shirley Phelps Roper preach? What does Fred Phelps teach? The gospel is repent and obey. No, it's repent and be forgiven. Christ died for our sins. Repent and believe. Trust in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. It truly is a gift, and it's God's kindness, according to the Scriptures, that leads us to repentance. Or as John said, um, we love God because he first loved God. Us. When you confuse law and gospel, and you say to people that the gospel is something that you have to do, you turn the gospel into works, you turn the gospel into obedience, you turn the gospel into law, and there's nothing good news about that. That's just really, really rotten news that really ends up causing people either to despair or worse, become self-righteous Pharisees who are deceiving themselves into thinking that they're obeying God when they're not. Moving along here, a news story from the Christian Post. The headline reads, Christian lawyers called to live God's message of forgiveness. I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, This is by Edmund Chua. See if can you tell that there's a confusion of law and gospel already in this? Folks, when you hear people say, we need to teach the tough, hard lessons of what people need to do in the gospel. That's not the gospel. That's the law. When you call on Christian lawyers and call them to live God's message of forgiveness, first of all, it's dubious at best to think that a lawyer can pull this off. Andrew Deloach aside, of course. Um, but uh, second, you're confusing law and gospel here. Let's see if this, this story makes any sense. Live God's message of forgiveness. What? <clears throat> really? Now, I thought we're supposed to proclaim God's 
gospel, the good news of the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, see, the live thing makes it sound like I have to do something here, and that's then we're supposed to proclaim the gospel, not, quote, live it. Live God's message of forgiveness. This was the call given by nearly 100 Christian members of the legal fraternity gathered Friday evening at St. Andrew's Cathedral in Singapore for the annual dedication service of the Lawyers Christian Fellowship. They had more than 100 members? Sorry. Um, Christian lawyers differ from other lawyers only in that they know about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, Andrew Andrew Neal Purchase emphasized in his address. Okay. Uh, They should not make the mistake of thinking that their contribution is merely that of good character. Good character traits like honesty are expected of every lawyer. Really? Uh, Particularly those in Singapore. And if Christian lawyers merely aspire to good character in their profession, they're doing nothing more than what is already expected of them, Purchase, who is 34, reasoned. Now, yeah, hang on a second here. This is interesting. I mean, in Singapore, lawyers are expected to have good character? Boy, those folks are obviously behind the times. Yeah, I don't think that's a something that's uh, required here in the United States. Anyway, um, we continue. Right conduct is the minimum and starting point for the Christian lawyer. It's not the maximum contribution or the end. Notice law, 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 law. And lawyers, what do they deal in every day in? Law, 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 law. You get what I'm saying here? Anyway. So if Christian lawyers are distinguished by their knowledge of God's forgiveness, they need to dedicate themselves to God and his message. Purchase reminded them that God has forgiven them of their sins. Amen. Hey, by the way, that's this is a great proof uh, for the free salvation of sins. If even lawyers can be forgiven by God, then you can get in too. For completely free. It's a free gift. So, you know, he, so here we got we we got a, a some decent gospel message but the problem is is that it's kind of getting confused with this you need to live it kind of stuff how do you live the forgiveness of sins you proclaim it anyway maybe you live it by forgiving others but that's not the job of lawyers and so i'm confused anyway let's see here so um okay uh, purchase reminded them that god has forgiven them their sins adopted them as children and loves and cares for them additionally they are destined for heaven right those who fail to forgive others have no right to preach the gospel he said amen this is because god's message is essentially about god forgiving and accepting sinners essentially that that is the gospel itself we have been given the ministry of reconciliation those who fail to forgive others are at odds with their own message i agree it's not their message though it's god's yes precise language by the way folks precise biblical language is required i you know one of the things i'm convinced is is that uh, one of the reasons why there's so much confusion in the Christian church as to what the gospel is, what the law is, all that kind of stuff is, um, is sloppy Bible reading and and really, really sloppy, meaningless, uh, so-called, I can't even call it Bible preaching, but yeah, listen, um, this is why the preacher has to correctly handle God's word. The, you know, the, what is the, the script? What does Paul say that, you know, that as a workman who need not blush with embarrassment, who rightly handles the word of truth or rightly cuts it, you know, uh, the idea there is is that uh, your pastor should be rightly handling it, and what is needed in the church is precise, precise, precise biblical language. 
where the scriptures teach and the 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 scriptures are you know where there's confusion it's cleared up because so that people don't mix these categories like this and even here in this uh in, in this at times decent proclamation of the gospel in this uh news story there's a mixing of things that shouldn't be mixed and as a result of it this isn't precise biblical language and attorneys should know better they under, they, they need they know that a precise reading of the law is required when it comes to understanding how things work but uh <clears throat> really here all right so those who fail to forgive have no right to preach the gospel that's right um Christian lawyers should be experts in forgiveness purchase, highlighted. Why just lawyers? Uh, they should be the best possible practitioners of uh, on earth of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Uh, again, yeah, I just find it odd that lawyers are the ones to be expected to do this, but maybe it's a Singapore culture thing. Christian lawyers are agents of the message of forgiveness well before they are lawyers, he pointed out. See, and notice what he's doing here is, is that he's mixing vocation with um, the call of all the the priesthood of all believers to proclaim the gospel, yeah. This, this, again, this this is just sloppy work here. Anyway, uh, they may be called as lawyers, but they are first called by a king to serve his message of forgiveness, and they may be called to the bar, but they are called by a savior first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, God is in the business of forgiving even even the worst of sinners. I mean, the fact that attorneys are the ones pointing this out is just proof of that. Uh, Purchase went on, and he has uh, and he has been on a sacred quest since the fall of mankind to bring total and absolute forgiveness to human beings. Joining God in His quest to bring His forgiveness to a needy world is the Christian lawyer's finest hour. He said, "I'm I just." Yeah, so we got a mixing of law and gospel here, um, and we have a mixing of vocation and priesthood of all believers. <sighs> all right. In an interview uh, with the Christian Post, Purchase described the law firm as a very pressurized environment where there's a lot at stake and a lot of money involved and the opportunity to be ungracious exists, he added. Quote, it's very tempting to operate in the kind of principles of unforgiveness or bitterness so on a daily basis this year, Purchase has had to train himself to be loving, gracious, and cheerful. Law, 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 law. <sighs> anyway, yeah, I, I think you get what's going on here is, is that, I, and see the here thing, this is not an isolated incident. Over and over and over and over and over again here at Fighting for the Faith, we run into people who kind of mix these two categories together. And in this case, there's four, you know, there's actually four different categories. There's law and gospel, and then there's the priesthood of all believers and the vocation that we're all called to. I mean, here's my question. Why would uh, Christian attorneys have a higher calling to proclaim the gospel than than like um, Christian washwomen? And, you know, what I mean by that is, is that, you know, these are ladies whose job it is to— uh, uh, do laundry for other people or you know clean floors and houses and toilets and things like that why why do attorneys have a higher calling to preach the gospel than the washwoman down the street the answer is they don't because this is a mixing of vocation and the priesthood of all believers too yeah precise biblical language is needed and proper sound biblical doctrine is needed so that people stop making these Christianity 101 type mistakes. Anyway, um. (laughs) 
Uh, that's right. That music can only mean one thing, and that means we're going to hear from somebody from the Patricia King gang. That's right. Um, uh, Katie Sousa of Expected End Ministries uh, apparently had a, uh, uh, well, some kind of miraculous thing where uh, she was trying to work on healing her soul, and um, um, it started raining in her living room. Yeah, not sure if, if this is in reality the, the fact that maybe one of the pipes burst in her house, you know, because, you know, it is wintertime here in North America, so maybe she had a frozen pipe. I'm not sure, but uh, uh, let's listen to Katie Sousa as she confuses law and gospel and <sighs> tells us about the rain in her living room. Hi, my name is Katie Sousa. I'm with Expected in Ministries, and I want to share with you a real exciting thing, a supernatural event that happened in my own home. Please share. Um, I'm on a quest to get my soul healed. You're on a quest to get your soul healed. You are on a quest to get your soul healed. You are. Sounds like um, justification by works to me. Sounds like you got a lot of work to do if if you are going to get your soul healed. Where's the gospel again? Over our lifetimes, many of us have had woundedness happen to us. Situation. Yeah, woundedness. Yeah, that's my problem. How about perpetratorness? Is that a word? Yeah, it's not that I've just. It's not that I'm just a victim that has received wounds into my soul. <laughs> I've been a belligerent. I've actually wounded other people's souls. And circumstances and sins that have wounded our soul. Our spirits are perfect, but those situations and sins that have happened in our life cause our souls not to be perfect. And they're what are causing us issues in our life. Because Right, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's because of those wounded things in my soul that I'm not perfect. What's ever in your soul affects your mind, your will, and your emotions. Every part of your soul can be negatively controlled by the woundedness that have happened to us over our lifetime. Gasp. That sounds terrible. And I remember I was on this quest. Still am. She is on a quest. Sounds like a lot of work. I, you know, I just don't have the energy necessary to go on a quest to heal my soul. And, um, you know, since the Bible talks about the fact that, well, salvation is a free gift, um, why would I want to work so hard for something that is free? To get my soul healed. And during the holiday of Yom Kippur, I was in my house. Yom Kippur, that is a Jewish holiday, the Day of Atonement. Um, Yom Kippur is the most holiest day of atonement in the Jewish calendar. Right, yes. Uh, Christians don't generally um, um, celebrate the Day of Atonement, at least not on the Jewish calendar. The the, uh, Christian version of the Day of Atonement, it's called, are you ready for this? Um, uh, you know what? Not Black Friday, but uh, Good Friday. Yeah, it's called Good Friday. Yeah, the day when Christ bled and died for our sins and propitiated the wrath of God. Yeah, Good Friday. That was the Day of Atonement when our sins were atoned by Christ on the cross. And on the third day after that, Jesus actually rose bodily from the grave. I was repenting for all my drug abuse. Because I used to be a drug addict. I've done major... How long ago was this? And I mean, you're still repenting for your drug abuse? I mean, you sound like somebody who doesn't even know what the gospel is. 
time in prison, and I've been, I was on the streets for many, many years in doing crime and drugs. And I was repenting for my drug abuse. And I remember, I, I can begin to press into the blood of Jesus and his okay, creeping me out. light to heal my soul. And as I did, something supernatural happened. It began to rain in my house. <sighs> Really? Yeah, again, did you did the pipe freeze and break? I mean, did you call Allstate Insurance? It began to rain and rain. It rained for like two or three hours straight in my Yeah, if that were happening in my house, I'd call a plumber immediately. There could be water damage. House without stopping. A light rain. When it would touch my skin, it would instantly dry up, but it just kept on coming down. It was a supernatural encounter with God. And now our focus is off of Christ and his shed blood for us on the cross, which apparently uh, she hasn't figured out covers all of her sins. You know, the Bible says that the rain is connected to the healing of our souls. Really? I can't wait to hear this. Yes. In Deuteronomy 11, it says that when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and all of our souls. That's the law. Deuteronomy chapter 11. If you have your Bible, flip on over there. Deuteronomy 11, we'll be looking at verse 13 and 14. Deuteronomy 11, verses 13 and 14. Notice this is law not gospel. Here we go. And if you will indeed obey, should I do it Shirley Phelps Roper style? Obey, obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all of your heart and all of your soul. He will give the rain for your land in its season and the early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. Now, I want to point something out here. Um, the obey piece, that's law. There is no gospel there. That's all 100% law. And this is a, this is, think of it this way. The Mosaic law, or the Mosaic covenant, was a covenant struck or cut between Israel and God. Okay? This was for the covenant people of Israel that lived in the land of Israel prior to Christ, you know, between the crossing of the River Jordan and uh, in, you know, the exile. Well, actually, the you know, they were finally kicked out of the uh, Holy Land in 70 AD, uh, I think by Titus. But anyway, uh, so anyway, from there, to the, this was the, uh, if you would, the law of the land of Israel. So here, this idea here is obey, 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 and that's one of the things about the law. Always if, then. If you do this, then that'll happen. If you, then God will. If you, then you, God. You get what I'm saying? It's all conditional. So this idea here, it's not, God is not promising to cause supernatural rain to occur in your home. Yeah, that, that's probably indicative of a pipe bursting. But uh, he's, in this point, promising the Israelites in the wilderness, that when they get into the promised land that God had promised their forefathers, that if they obey the Lord's commands and love the Lord, by the way, love is the law, not the gospel. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the law, not the gospel. To those people, he will then give rain for their land in its season 
and in and your grain, you know, you get what I'm saying. So an example of God basically saying, "Okay, you're not going to obey me. Well, I'm not going to cause it to rain." Would be the famine that was caused uh, by the lack of rain that God uh, caused to happen uh, at the time of the the prophet Elijah. Uh, what happened is is that Israel chased after Baal, a false deity. God said, "Oh, you want to chase after Baal?" And by the way, Baal was the the god of the the god of the air. You know, Baal was supposedly the one that caused the rain to happen. So God, ex, you know, God the the god of the Bible, the one true God, Yahweh. He uh, well, he exercised judgment against Baal by causing it to not rain for three whole years, and uh, and so I mean they didn't obey, and so God, uh, well, he exercised this clause. Uh, you know, against Israel during the time of Elijah, plain and simple. But it, God is not here promising to, that you will have supernatural mist spitting on you uh, when you're seeking to have your soul healed. I, and again, notice the confusion of law and gospel. Let's continue. In all of our souls, that He will send the rain. You see, that was a supernatural sign to me that my soul was being healed. I remember I asked my husband to come out into the living room. I said, honey, you got to come out here. It's raining in the house. And he came out and he laid on the floor next to me. And we laid very still for a minute. And all of a sudden he looked over towards me and he said, did you just spit on me? (laughs) He thought I was talking. I said, did you hear me talking? I wasn't talking. I didn't spit on you. It's raining in the house. My husband... How is it that these folks just, I mean, seriously, they cannot properly exegete a single passage of Scripture, even if their life depended on it? even felt the rain in our house. It was totally awesome. I invite you to get your soul healed so you can have a... Yeah, I can't wait. How do I do that? Supernatural encounter with the rain. If you want more information on a soul healing, just go to my website. Get- yeah, don't you think if I wanted more information on the soul healing that I could just open my Bible and it'd be right there in plain, well, English, yeah, because I haven't, you, know, you understand what I'm saying. Another major confusion of law and gospel. All right, we're up on our second break. If you would like to email me regarding anything that you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address, talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there, Pirate Christian. Good night. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough! Of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music, you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. 
Keep more of your money in your pocket. Hi, Chris Roseborough here. If you're planning to travel anytime in the near future, then don't pay more for airfare, hotel rooms, or rental cars than you need to. Longtime Pirate Christian Radio featured advertiser Cheap O Air can save you a Tijuana taxi load of money on all of your travel needs. Plus, Cheap O Air has a seasonal promotional code for all of our listeners that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheap O Air's already low prices. Visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, write down the promo code, and then click on the banner, and then book your travel today. Again, that's piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Confusion of law and gospel day. Yeah, apparently. Oh, man. I mean, you know it's a big news day when you can weave in the, the Ropers and one of the Patricia King gang and, you know, Phelps Roper. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Let's cue up the sermon review music. The good, the bad, and the, well, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Now, here's a question I have for you. Does this qualify as a sermon? Yeah, the reason I'm asking is because uh, this is a sermon preached by <clears throat> Joel Osteen out there in Lakewood. In Houston, Texas, and uh, the name of the um, inspirational speech is "Enjoying the Journey." Now, <laughs> so here, he just again, the, the, as you're listening to this sermon, just ask yourself: Is this the law or is this the gospel? Now, a law, the law tells you what you're supposed to do. Okay. God says, you shall not commit adultery. That means you're to be faithful to your wife. You shall not steal. That means you don't take anything that belongs to somebody else. You shall not bear false witness. That means you be truth-telling. You understand what I'm saying here? Thou shall not covet. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. All that kind of stuff. But, uh, that I mean, the law tells you the things you ought to do. So, already here we go, enjoying the journey. Okay, is this law... Or is it gospel? And more importantly, as this thing unfolds, um, how much Bible does it take to actually turn something into a Christian sermon? That's just kind of another side note because, yeah, yeah, there's um, very little uh, in the way of Scripture in this uh, sermon. So uh, you're going to need to, uh, you need to listen. You just, just, that's all you got to do. So... Let me kill the music. So, uh, without any further ado, here is Joel Osteen, Lakewood Church, uh, Houston, Texas, in, in t- his sermon entitled, 
enjoying the journey. Uh, here is Joel Osteen. Every time I hear <laughs> it just creeps me out. Why? Because the Bible doesn't teach that you have a champion in you. Yeah, um, you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm in the process of putting this together. I'll share you with you uh, some stuff. Uh, one of the things, I, you know, I, the uh, Lutheran Confessions, uh, the Book of Concord, if you don't have a copy of it, even if you're not a Lutheran, I would recommend getting a copy of it. And uh, several places where you would probably want to read. Number one, uh, read the Augsburg Confession. Number two, read the Apology of the Augsburg Confession. Probably one of the finest, finest pieces of polemical uh, doctrine ever written. I mean, it's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, uh, as it pertains to uh, the article concerning justification— Oh, it's worth its weight in gold. I mean, yeah, trust me when I tell you, if you get a copy of the uh, Book of Concord and you read the Apology of the Augsburg Confession, that that is worth the price of admission and then some. Uh, another section worth reading is the Small Called Articles, the Small Called Articles written uh, by Martin Luther himself. And what I'm in the process of doing is, is that yeah, <clears throat> I'm trying to, not for lack of a better way of putting it, I'm not trying to update them, but what I'm trying to do is take the, the basic concepts of the Small Called Articles and flesh them out biblically. And so um, concerning sin is, is, the, is the first thing. And so here, Joel Osteen. Notice we did we didn't we didn't even get into the sermon yet. It just we just got to that little discover the champion in you. There is no champion in you. It's that's ridiculous. Okay, now let me read to you kind of my reworked, slightly retooled version of uh, Luther's small caller called article on uh, the concerning sin. And it's just thinking, you know, Rosebro, I mean, how dare you take Luther's thing? Yeah, trust me, it's it's not what you think. But uh, anyway, here we go. Uh, concerning sin, here, true Christendom confesses the clear teachings of the Scriptures that sin comes from one literal historical human being, Adam, through whose disobedience all people became sinners and subject to death and the devil. This is called the original or the chief sin. The fruits of this sin are the subsequent evil works which are forbidden in the Ten Commandments, evil works such as unbelief, false belief, idolatry, being without the fear of God, presumption, despair, spiritual blindness, and in short, not knowing or honoring God. Notice here that Martin Luther, this is a part that's really faithful to what Luther wrote in the Small Called Articles, that Martin Luther here, in talking about the evil works of man, begins with idolatry and unbelief, and all of the false doctrines and bizarre teachings that come with that. This is all, all of the stuff that we're seeing happening in the church is a result of man's sinful nature. And over and again, when you deny the sinful nature of, of mankind, then you're opening the door to all of this garbage teaching because uh, you, you don't understand the inherent problem that we all face as human beings. And it's not that—see, my problem isn't that I haven't discovered the champion within me. My problem is, is that I don't have a champion within me. I've got this ucky, stinky, black, uh, filled with spiders and goop— uh, 
sinful nature that I have to deal with day in and day out. It's not that I have a champion in me just waiting to be unleashed. It's that I am dead in trespasses and sins. So, and this, you know, and by nature, we're at war with God. We don't like God. We're we're rebellious and we hate God. And we basically come up with our own ideas about God. That's how bad things are. And uh, it's so bad that mankind not only denies or breaks the Ten Commandments, man, it, when he philosophizes and theologizes, even goes so far as to try to claim that there's no such thing as truth itself, objective truth, except for that's apparently the one objective truth that there is, that there is no objective truth. So, so you understand, it just, I mean, uh, it, uh, whoa, it's bad. It's muy mal. Anyway, so anyway, so uh, the fruits of this sin are subsequent evil works, which are forbidden in the Ten Commandments, such as unbelief, false belief, idolatry, being without the fear of God, presumption, despair, spiritual blindness, and in short, not knowing or honoring God. Now beyond that, there's lying, swearing falsely by God's name, not praying or calling on God's name, neglect of God's word, being disobedient to parents, murdering, behaving pres- uh, promiscuously, stealing, deceiving, etc. I love this list of Luther's because uh, the, it's like 75% of the sins mentioned there have to do with uh, false belief, idolatry, false doctrines, and things of the sort. And then we finally get to murdering, behaving, promiscuously, stealing, deceiving, etc. This inherited sin from Adam has caused such a deep, evil corruption of human nature that our reason doesn't even comprehend it. Rather, this doctrine must be believed on the basis of what God has revealed in the Scriptures. Now, what I've done here is I've gone through and I've selected a basically a synopsis, basically snipped out all of the verses that talk about this, and here's the deal. I fully understand that all of these verses are taken from their context. That being the case, listen to me carefully. Context, context, context. What I would challenge you to do is go back and put these passages in context and ask yourself this question. When put back in context, do, do the statements that are made in these passages teach that we are dead in trespasses and sins and that that we are our sin that our human nature has been corrupted by sin so that we don't believe properly and so that we behave badly? You, you understand what I'm saying? When you put them back in context, they all say that. Now, let's let's take a look at the synopsis of the verses, okay? And again, your challenge is to put these back in context. Here we go. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. We begin with the story itself. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For on, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Genesis 3, 6, moving forward just a smidge. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she's being tempted by the devil here, she took of its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he Eight. Romans chapter 5, verse 12, theologizing on this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God had the Apostle Paul write, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, 
and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Or Romans 5.19, For as by the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners, and then that continues, you know, we're all made righteous because of Christ. Uh, but uh, Romans 5.19, Genesis 6.5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, does that sound like a statement where you, what your problem is is that you have to discover the champion in you? Again, Genesis 6-5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 8-21, the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. The intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Psalm 14, verses 2 through 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand or any who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery in the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Exodus 33.20, but he, the Lord, said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. John chapter 1, verse 10, he, Jesus, was in the world, and even though the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Matthew 15, verses 18 through 19, Jesus said, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Yeah, what comes out of the heart? is what defiles a person. And what is it that comes out? Not the champion within you. Jesus said, it's out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Ephesians 4.18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Talking about pagans. Matthew 7.11, Jesus said, if you then who are evil... Jesus speaking to a crowd of just everyday Israelites saying, 
If then you who are evil, this is from the Sermon on the Mount, if then you who are evil, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Jesus said, you're evil. John eight forty four. you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, and you, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, and you were once alienated from God and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Ephesians 2, 12, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, based upon all of these passages that I read, now I understand I took them all out of context. That doesn't mean that what I was that, that in reading them that I was conveying non-truth. You've you got the challenge. Go back and put them in context and ask yourself this question. Are these verses teaching us that there is no champion within us, but instead teaching us that we are by nature we have our, we have a sinful and corrupt nature that we have inherited from Adam and that we are dead in trespasses and sins and that that's our problem? See, Joel Osteen has a completely different message. Discover the champion in you. The Bible knows of no champion in you. That's a myth. It's a false doctrine and one that points us away from our true problem, and as a result of it, makes you wonder if there's true repentance and the forgiveness of sins there for the people who are attending Lakewood in Houston. We continue with our sermon. Here we go. Well, God bless you. It's always a joy to come into your homes. We love you, and we know God has great things in store. And Oh, yeah, I'm sure he does. If you're ever in our area, I hope you'll stop by and be a part of one of our services. I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. Thanks for tuning in, and thank you again for coming out today. And I'd like to start with something funny. And I heard about this man. Somebody had stolen his wife's credit card. And a couple of months later, the company called him and said, Sir, we've got good news. We found the credit card. Without missing a beat, he said, Tell the thief to keep it. He spends less than my wife. <laughs> All right, hold up your Bible. Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. Okay, did you hear that? Today, I will be taught the Word of God. He's having everybody hold up their Bibles. And my immediate question is, do people at Lakewood bring their Bibles just so they can hold it up? They just confess that they're going to be taught the Word of God. Let's see if that pans out. And keep in mind, you got to ask yourself this question. Are you hearing law or are you hearing gospel? Let's continue. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. God bless you. I want to talk to you today about enjoying the journey. Life is not really about the destination. It's about how we live all along the way. And it's easy to become so... It's not about the destination. It's about how we 
live, law or gospel? How we live all along the way, is that the law or is it the gospel? How you live is the law. This isn't gospel. This is, you You better pay close attention to how you live. Okay, let's continue. Goal-oriented and so focused on our dreams that we overlook the simple things that we should be enjoying. But we have to realize life is a journey. There's no such thing as the finish line. Once you accomplish this dream, God will give you another dream. Okay, where in the Bible does it say once you accomplish one dream, God is going to give you another? Where does the Bible teach it? It doesn't. When you overcome this challenge, there'll be another challenge. There's always another mountain to climb. And if we make the mistake of just living for the destination, we'll look up one day and realize we've missed out on the biggest part of life. Because most of life is routine. Most of us get up every morning, go to work, come home, eat dinner, go to bed, and do it again. There are very few mountaintops where you graduate from school or you get married or have a child or go on vacation. The high times are few and far between. But many people are living for the mountaintops. They're so focused on their promotion that they work night and day. They don't really enjoy their family. They're so stressed raising their children, they don't enjoy their children. They're so caught up in getting out of a problem, their life goes by in a blur. So here's my question. Am I a holier, more God-pleasing person if I don't do that? Remember, it's all about how you live your life. This is a pep talk for you to change your behavior. Law or gospel? We've got to slow down and learn to enjoy the journey. This is what I had to do. Before I was married, I used to travel overseas with my father a couple of times a year, and I lived for those big trips. I couldn't wait. I counted down the months, the weeks, hurried through the days trying to get to that trip. When one trip was over, I'd immediately start looking forward to the next trip. One day I realized I'm hurrying through life just trying to get to my big events. Of course, it's good to have things to look forward to. It's good to have goals in front of you. But don't put your life on hold until that happens. Enjoy all along the way. I heard Deion Sanders talking. He was a star football player. His dream was to win the Super Bowl. That's what he wanted more than anything else. He trained and trained year after year, working tirelessly. One day, his dream came to pass. He won the Super Bowl. Well, that's okay because God's going to give him another one, right? By the way, um, Deion Sanders doesn't appear in the Bible. Just want to point that out. He told that night when he went home after the big celebration, he was so disappointed. He thought, is this all that it is? I've worked and reached the pinnacle of my career, and I thought it would be different. Yes, I'm happy. Yes, God's blessed me, but it's just not what I thought it would be. And sometimes... We can spend our whole life trying to reach a goal only to find out it's not what it's all cracked up to be. Friends, the real joy in life is in the simple things. It's in being with your family, getting up early and seeing the sunrise, taking a walk through the park. You know, what's really funny is is that uh, I remember getting this advice from my grandpa. 
but he didn't have an open Bible when he gave it to me. I, I think the uh, the statement was, stop and smell the roses. And um, uh, so the... Um, <clears throat> So this is the Stop and Smell the Roses uh, sermon. And, uh, you know, but this is basically life advice, things that you need to do. This is law. This is something you have to do. Again, my question is, um, am I more pleasing to God if I stop and smell the roses? And is that a verse in the Bible somewhere? Taking your daughter on a date, going on a bike ride with your spouse. And sure, the goals, the accomplishments... They bring us a sense of satisfaction, but they're only temporary. You can't live off your Super Bowls. You can't live off your big events because after you savor them for a moment, God's going to birth a new dream in your heart, something new to look Okay, so uh, God's apparently going to birth a new dream in my heart after I win the Super Bowl. Funny enough, I'm actually large enough to be uh, an offensive lineman, um, but uh, yeah, I won't be doing that anytime soon. Um... Oh, boy. Again, where in the Bible does it say that God's going to birth a new dream after I've completed another dream? A single Because remember, every had everyone hold their Bibles up. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. Today I will be taught the Word of God. Remember that? Today I will. Yeah, I'm not hearing the Word of God yet. Look forward to. And I've talked to a lot of people that have made it to the very top in their field. The one common regret I seem to hear is that they did it at the expense of their family. They say, Joel, if I could do it over again, I would take time to stop and smell the roses. I would be there at my children's Little League games. I would take more walks through the park with my spouse. I wouldn't live so stressed and uptight thinking if I can just get to the next level. Now, listen, here's the deal, okay? <clears throat> here's the question. Are, are any of you listening to this uh, program today here at Fighting for the Faith, are you guilty of not stopping and smelling the roses? Yep. I, I bet there's a ton of you out there who are guilty of, well, not slowing down and enjoying the journey or stopping and smelling the roses. <sighs> so um, how does this make you feel? I mean... Do you feel good about yourself that you haven't stopped and smelled the roses enough? Do you feel bad that you haven't done that? I thought Joel said he was a feel-good preacher. I'm feeling convicted. How about you? Yeah, I haven't haven't stopped nearly enough times to smell the roses in my life. I guess I'm a bad person, right? Then I'll slow down and enjoy my life. No, slow down and enjoy the journey right now. Take time for the people God's put in your life. They're not always going to be there. The scripture says in James, our life is like a mist. We're here for a moment, and then we're gone. That's it? Our life is like a mist? He referenced the book of James. Our life is like a mist. What if we put that back in context? Can we find that passage? Let's see, James, okay, here it is, James chapter 4, verse 13, uh, sorry, verse 14. Yeah, all right, there's a paragraph break here. Let's, uh, okay, we'll read James uh, 4, 13 and 14. Here we go. Come now, uh, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. 
yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Good night. Um, yeah, um, this, this, you know what's funny is, is that this doesn't seem to be making the point that Joel's making, although he just basically, you know, it's kind of a glancing, passing reference, basically says your life is short. But he, um, yeah, it, but this kind of works against this whole idea, God, you know, you fulfill a dream and then God will give you another one. You don't even know what tomorrow's going to bring, according to James in this passage. <sighs> yeah, anyway, let's continue. Every day, we should tell our spouse, our children. The... Every day, we should. We should. Law or gospel. That's right. James said, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Every day, we should. People that mean the most to us, how much we love them. I told Victoria the other day how much I appreciate her coming and listening to me speak every service. A while back, we were out of town holding services. Then we came back and did the three services on the weekend. And I figured up she had heard my same message that week eight times in a row. Listen, after eight times, I'm even tired of it. But she sits there three services a week, and she laughs at my same jokes like it's the first time she ever heard them. I know she's faking it, but (laughs) at least she's faking it to make me feel good. I don't take that for granted. Make sure the people in your life know how much you appreciate them sacrificing and being behind you. After all, you wouldn't be where you were if somebody wasn't paying the price to get you further down the road. I think about my mother. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You wouldn't be where you were if somebody wasn't paying the price for you to get further down the road. Paying the price? Hmm. That's the kind of talk that would, I mean, just so easily lead you into the gospel, the one who paid the price for our sins. But so far in this sermon, we only had a passing, rather quick, out-of-context reference to James chapter 4, verse 14. Hmm. Every service when I'm up here, I can hear her agging me on right there on the front row. Under her breath, she's constantly whispering, that's good, Joel. doesn't matter what I'm talking about. I'm her son. She thinks everything I say is good. (laughs) I can say, you may be seated. Oh, that's excellent today, Joel. But I realize I wouldn't be where I am today without the people that have sown into my life. Now, I'm not going to take for granted those who are closest to me, my family, my friends, my co-workers that are making sacrifices so I can fulfill what God's put in my life, in my heart. A lot of people today... Did you notice who was making sacrifices? All the other people around him are making sacrifices. Where's the gospel, the sacrifice that Jesus made for our life? Why isn't that being talked about? Here you're talking about somebody paying a price. Here you're talking about somebody's making sacrifices. What about Christ's sacrifice? Why isn't that being talked about? They're making a living but they're not really making a life. They're working all the time, living stressed out, 
bringing the tension home, too busy to enjoy what God's given them. We have to understand, when we come to the end of our life, most likely there will still be work to do at the office. What about when you come to the end of your life, you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? <sighs> it's kind of missing the whole point. You know, I'm sure that, you know, people sitting on their deathbeds, and by the way, death is kind of one of those things that's still rather poignantly at the front of my mind at the moment. And I can guarantee you my Aunt Betsy, my wife's Aunt Betsy, who just died recently, she wasn't sitting on her deathbed going, oh, man, I I forgot to to send out the invoices and the memos at work last week. That was like the last thing on her mind. I'm sure the thing that was front and center is, Good night. I'm going to be meeting Jesus here in a minute. You understand? Yeah. Your inbox will still be full. It's never going to be all done. Yeah, thank you for that. So obvious of a reminder. And if we don't make our family and those that we love a high priority. If we don't make, if we don't, this is law. If we don't make our family a high priority. Now, how many of you listening to this are guilty of... Not making your family a high enough priority. According to the passage I read from James in context, which Joel didn't, doing the thing you know you ought to do and not doing it, that is for you sin. Yeah, do you think your problem is just having a right attitude or discovering the champion in you? No, you, you, need, a, you need something that's going to solve your sin problem because this sermon is actually uncovering the fact that none of us is living up to it, which is what I read in Romans. Through the law comes the knowledge of sin. To enjoy, to spend time with, to invest in, then we'll end up missing out on the thing that matters most. Because in your final days here on this earth, the job won't keep you company, your family will. But if... What? <laughs> in your final days on this earth, you... <laughs> if you spend all your time... Just investing in a career. If you spend all... Yeah, that's right. This is law again. Giving the best of your life and energy to build a business, then your lack of investment in what matters most, your family, could leave you a very lonely person. This could yeah, like, again, yeah, it's, it's very sad when people who haven't invested in their families come to the end of their life and they're sitting on their deathbed and they're there by themselves. It really, truly is a tragedy. Okay, the uh, the bigger issue is is that they're going to be standing before God rather shortly, whether they're alone or not, whether their family's there or not. It's good to be focused and driven. It's good to be a hard worker, but you've got to know how to walk away and say, you know what, this work is still going to be at the office tomorrow when I show up. So I'm going to be my best today. I'm going to work hard. But I'm going to play hard. I'm going to enjoy my family. I'm going to have fun with my children. If you don't make this decision, then your family will always only get your leftover time. And And is that a sin or not? If you don't, then this. Law, 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 law. Leftover energy. They deserve better than that. Don't take the stress from the office home. To where you show up, the whole house tenses up. 
Don't let how somebody treated you or what you didn't get done sour your day to where you take it out on your family. Leave that outside the home. I don't know about you, but I would rather make less money and be able to enjoy my life and enjoy my family than to be so overworked that I never have any extra energy. There are oh, you're so holy. Yeah. That's... Plenty of opportunities I say no to because I don't want my life to go by in a blur. I don't want my children to grow up without knowing me. I don't want to be so busy that I can't come home and work out or take a walk through the park or stay up and look at the stars or get up early and hear the birds singing. You've got to realize I'm a very goal-oriented, disciplined person. I've got to do. Yeah, you know, see, um, Jesus hasn't made any appearances here. Uh, Joel is definitely preaching a lot more about himself than he is Jesus. Have you heard him talk about Jesus yet? Do just what I'm asking you to do. I train myself to slow down and enjoy the journey. I read about Frank Lloyd Wright. He was a famous architect. And when he was a young man in his early teens, he was walking through a snow-covered field with his uncle. They were headed to a house up in front of them. But along the way, Frank veered off and stopped by the barn to see the animals. Then he went over to the pond and took a look at that. Then he saw a fort off in the distance that they had built. He went out of his way and went and saw that. When he found well, Frank, he must have been like you know, like a super spiritual Christian guy. Finally, caught up with his uncle way across the snow-covered field. His uncle said, "Now, Frank, I want to teach you a lesson. Look back at our footsteps in the snow. Mine came straight here. I never ventured off, and I got here much quicker than you." But Frank, look at yours. You zigzagged all over the place. Wasted so much time stopping all along the way. Frank Lloyd Wright said that was one of the best lessons he ever learned. But he took it just the opposite. His philosophy was, I still got to where I was going, but I enjoyed all the sights along the way. Now, notice he said Frank Lloyd Wright's philosophy was... Is the job of a Christian pastor to preach someone's philosophy, or is it to proclaim Christ and Him crucified for our sins, to preach the Word in season and out of season? Remember, everybody held their Bibles up. Today I will hear the Word of God. Have they really heard the Word of God? We've heard more about Frank Lloyd Wright's philosophy than we have about what God's Word really says. Again, passing reference to James chapter 4, verse 14. That's it. That's the only part of the Word of God we've supposedly heard here. In life, there will always be a balance between working hard, being focused, accomplishing dreams, and taking time to stop and smell the roses. Some of you today, you don't zigzag enough. You need to start venturing off here and there and appreciating and enjoying the great things God's placed in your life. You're all work and no fun. But if you would and apparently that's sinful and slow down and enjoy the journey, you will not only still get to where you're supposed to be, but your life will be so much more fulfilled. I learned a lot of this from Victoria's side of the family. They love You mean you didn't learn it from the Bible? Love to laugh. They love to have fun. They enjoy each other. At dinner, they can sit there and talk for hours. 
My personality is I can eat in 10 minutes and I'm done. Let's get busy. Let's go do something. We got goals. We got dreams. The other day, Victoria and her mom and brother and some of the family came over after church and we had a late lunch. And after I got through eating, I went to the back and watched the football game. Two and a half hours later, I came back out and they were still sitting at the table in the same seats, laughing, talking, having fun. I was so amazed. I said to Victoria, what are y'all talking about? She said, oh, nothing. <laughs> Let me tell you, they can talk about nothing better than anybody I know. Why is that? They enjoy each other. They've taught me how to take time to smell the roses. Think about this. God gives us a sunrise every morning. Do you ever enjoy it? He gives us stars every night. Do you ever look up and appreciate it? Maybe you have your mom and dad living close by. Do you ever stop by and spend time? Do you ever call them and talk about nothing? Many of us, God is blessed with beautiful children. Do you enjoy them or are you so busy raising them and cooking their dinner and making sure they're doing their homework and making sure they're cleaning their room that you don't really appreciate the gift that God has given you? I know people that love their children, no doubt about it, but they don't really enjoy their children. They let the pressures of raising them rob them of what they have to offer. When our daughter Alexandra was about three years old, she used to wake up at night and come down the stairs and come into our room. Of course, we'd have to get up and take her back to bed. For a period of three or four months, she was waking up two or three times a night and coming down. This was not long after I took over for my father and started pastoring. So I was learning to minister and there was a lot of stress and changes just with that. And now I wasn't getting that much sleep. And one time I was telling Victoria, we just got to do something about Alexandra. She's coming down so much and you know, I'm just so tired and I'm not getting enough sleep on and on. Victoria said something I'll never forget. She said, Joel, just remember 20 years from now, you'll give anything to hear those little footsteps coming down the stairs. You'll give anything to have her wanting to come into your room. Yeah, that's probably true. But again, this is my Bible. Today I will be taught the Word of God. When are you going to do that, Joel? That changed my whole perspective. I started looking forward to it. I started treasuring those moments that we could spend together. Your children may be a lot of work right now, but make sure you're enjoying them. They're not always going to be there in the house with you. I heard Dr. Ed Young tell about something that happened with his son. Dr. Young is a good friend of ours, a great leader, the pastor of Second Baptist Church here in town. When Dr. Young was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he received an invitation to go to the White House and have a personal meeting with the president. It was a big deal. He was very excited about it. But his son's basketball team won their division and they kept advancing. And it just so happened that the state championship was on the same day he was supposed to go to Washington. So he had to decide, was he going to stay and see his son or was he going to go and see the president? I'm sure he could have thought, well, I can watch the game later by video. I can call and get updates. I can probably hear it on the radio. No, Dr. Young didn't think twice. He had his staff and formed the president's office that he would not be able to attend. He went to his son's game and it was very exciting, very close. The score kept going back and forth. 
Toward the end of the game, his son's team was down by one point. Looked like they'd come up short. But in the final seconds, his son hit the game-winning shot, and they won the state championship. (laughs) Dr. Young said, I would not have traded that moment for anything in the world, not even a meeting with the president. I mean, that's great and all. Again, where is all this taught in the Bible? Today I will be taught the word of God. It's a heartwarming story. Friends, we have to realize some things we cannot get back. Our children will only be this age once. Take time for the people in your life. Don't rush out of the house without giving your spouse a hug. Don't be so busy that you can't go on the date that you promised your little daughter. Don't come home so tired that you can't go to the park and watch your teenage son skateboard. Make memories together. 20 years from now, we're going to look back and say, those were the good old days. You remember when you hit the game-winning shot? You remember when I used to go to the park and chase you around? You remember when we used to sit around the dinner table and laugh and tell stories? Friends, we are living in the good old days. Don't take it for granted. Your family needs what you have. They need your smile, your encouragement, your support, your wisdom. They need to know that you care and that they mean the world to you. And it's important not to just be in the house. Don't just show up. Be involved. Be engaged. I heard somebody say, it's not the time we spend together that really matters. It's the moments we ignite to make a memory. And I know plenty of people that are living in a house full of family, but they're very lonely. Everybody is busy. Everybody's doing their own thing. Nobody is stepping up to say, you know what? We're going to be a family. We're going to take time to sit together at the dinner table and see how we're doing. We're going to go to the ball game or to the dance recital and cheer that other person on. We're going to lift each other up. We're going to. This is all law. Man, where is the gospel? I mean, seriously. I mean, who? Not who's listening to this going, oh, well, that doesn't. I've kept this perfectly. I must be a holy person. Up when we're falling. We're going to enjoy what God has given us. See, it's easy to be too busy. It's easy to become disengaged. But if you want to get the most out of life, you've got to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm going to slow down and enjoy the journey. I'm not going to take for granted what God has given me. I'm not going to be a workaholic and not... I'm not gonna. I'm not... This is all law. And where's the Bible again? ...not see my children grow up. I'm not going to live so stressed out that I can't appreciate the simple things in life. A few years ago, I was rounding everybody up at our house to leave. We were headed to church and we were running late and I was in a big hurry, all stressed out about it. Our son, Jonathan, was about eight years old. Somebody had given us a label maker, one of those little machines that you can type a message and it'll print out a little label that you can stick on somewhere. Jonathan was there by the back door and he was typing in a message. I said, Jonathan, you got to put that up. We're late. We got to go right now. He said, hang on, Dad. I just need another minute, just another second. I said, Jonathan, we don't have another second. We're not going to get to church in time. You got to put it up. I was getting more and more stressed out. About that time, he printed out the message and handed it to me. It said, you're the best dad in the world. I thought, well, maybe we can stay here a little longer. Print out a few more of those. But 
Sometimes we get so caught up in our goals and so focused on the end result. Don't I, you know, I've seen this in like, you know, the Hallmark, uh, you know, movie of the week or, you know, I mean, isn't this like the normal theme of like movie? I mean, I, why do I need a crucified and risen savior for this? Actually, I don't think even Joel preaches that. Um, yeah. How is this different from anything I can get from any Hallmark sentimentality kind of thing? I mean, it just warms your heart. These are funny little stories. And Joel Osteen sure does, sure does seem like he's the nicest guy in the whole world. But um, we got this thorny little problem. He's not preaching the word of God, like, at all. Result that we missed the miracles all along the way. Take time to smell the roses. Enjoy the different personalities God's put in your life. I've found it's the simple things that mean the most to us. You don't have to take an expensive vacation to make a memory. You can make a memory sitting at the dinner table. You can make a memory watching your children play in the backyard, getting up early with your spouse and taking in a beautiful sunrise. Some of my best... Yeah, I just make a bunch of memories. Memories. Memories growing up were when all of us kids, and there were five of us, would sit with my father early in the morning and drink coffee by the fire. When my father would take his first sip of coffee, he would always let out a long, ah. And all of us kids from four to 14 would do the same thing. We'd have a contest to see who could do the best, ah. We'd sit there and laugh and have fun. Story is not found in the... He, when, when is he going to... Uh, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I have what... It, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Today I will be taught the Word of God. When? When, when is the Word... Yeah. ...together. My brother Paul tells how he and his children still get up today and drink coffee early in the morning, sip it, and say their ahs. Do you hear that? Did you hear that? Listen. I don't drink coffee. Listen, listen anymore. I'm a little bit holy. Wait for it. Holier than he is. But he... Yeah, hang but on. Growing up. Yeah, did you hear that? That was the sound of nobody flipping pages in their Bible. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money, but my parents were very innovative. We lived close to the big airport. And a couple of nights a month when it wasn't busy, they would take us up to the airport and we would ride the train together. That was free. We loved it. You would have thought they were taking us to an amusement park. We would go back and forth between Terminal A and Terminal B for an hour or two. I'm sure people thought that family is so lost. They don't know what they're doing. Now, you know what we were doing? We were making a memory. We were having fun together as a family. It's not how expensive it is. Where's all the big memory-making verses in the Bible again? How exciting it is. Life is all about what we make it. When our children were younger, we took them to Disneyland. Alexandra was about five years old, I would guess, and it was very much a struggle getting there that day. There was a lot of traffic, and we were in the rental car, and hard finding a place to park and a long line to get on the tram to catch it to the park. And by the time we got in the park, I was very stressed out. We weren't there 15 minutes until little Alexandra said, Daddy, I want to go back to the hotel and go swimming. I said, no, 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 Alexandra. We can swim anywhere. We can swim at home. We're at Disneyland. 
She said, Daddy, I don't want to be at Disneyland. I want to go swimming. I said, no, Alexandra, we may see Mickey Mouse. We're going to go find Snow White. We're going to have so much fun. She said, I don't want to have fun here. I finally had to say, listen, Alexandra, I pay 50 bucks for your ticket. <laughs> You're going to have fun whether you like it or not. What am I saying? It doesn't take a lot of money to have fun. Many times it's the simple things that we remember the most. I heard about this man that was a huge baseball fan for his son's eighth birthday. He bought him a baseball that was autographed by all of the New York Yankees. They had just won the World Series, paid a lot of money for it, and he was sure his son would treasure it for years to come. But when he gave the ball to his son, his son wasn't excited about it at all. In fact, he just looked at it and put it off to the side. The dad was so disappointed. He said, son, don't you like the ball? His son said, yes, dad, but I'd like it a lot better if somebody hadn't written all these names on it. Friends, we've got to learn to enjoy the simple things in life. That's right, because if you don't, you're sinning. Today, everything is so complicated. We have 500 channels on TV, the Internet, cell phones, PDAs. Everywhere you look, there's something to do, some kind of entertainment. And if we're not careful, we'll fall into the trap of thinking that we've always got to be busy. We can't have fun. We can't enjoy our life unless we're doing something big and exciting. Well, slow down and enjoy the simple things. Turn off the TV and spend more time with your family. Take a walk. Go for a bike ride. Play games together. Uh, where's the Bible? In any, anywhere? Hello? That doesn't cost anything. Growing up, we used to play hide-and-go-seek as a family. My mom and dad would chase us all through the house. It's one of the highlights of my day. My favorite memory is when my sister Lisa got stuck in the dryer. <laughs> Thank God we had it on permanent press. <laughs> but it's not about what we have or don't have. Life is all about what we make it. You can have all the money in the world and not be happy and enjoying life. Plus, you can have very little and be just as satisfied and fulfilled as you can be. It's all in our approach. I read about this family that was very wealthy. The father wanted to show his seven-year-old son how the, quote, poor people live. And so he left the big home in the city, and they drove to a little farm in the country where this family they knew was, and they spent the night with them. And it's just a little frame wood house and didn't have any TV, no fancy furniture, no carpet. And at night, this family since there was no entertainment inside, they would go out on the front porch and sing and laugh and tell stories together. After being there a night or two, the father and son headed back home. The father was very curious as to if his son had learned his lesson. And he asked him how he liked it. The little boy said, oh, Dad, I really loved it. He said, well, son, do you see how poor people can be? And the son said, yes, Dad, I did. He said, well, son, tell me, what exactly did you learn? The little boy said, well, Dad, I learned that we have one dog at home, and they have four. We have a swimming pool in the middle of our backyard, but they have a stream with no end. We have fancy lanterns on our house, but they have the stars. We watch TV by ourselves at night, but they sit around as a family and have fun. His dad was shaking his head. He knew it had backfired. About that time, the son said, Dad, thank you so much for showing me how poor we really are. <laughs> 
Friends, if you have people in your life to love, you're rich. If you have your health, you're rich. If you can hear your little girl's footsteps coming down the stairs, you're rich. If you can talk with your family about nothing. <sighs> I, I mean, I, I, again, I could get this anywhere. I could get this from some self-help guru. I mean, I'm not hearing the Bible preached. Are you? Am I missing it? What? I mean, seriously. You're rich. Keep the right perspective. Slow down and enjoy the simple things in life. Take more walks through the park. Look at the stars at night. Think about God's goodness. When you get up in the morning, don't just drink your coffee. Sip it and say, ah. Make a memory. Ignite that moment. Yeah, I've got a memory, all right, reviewing this sermon, one that I don't particularly like. I'm asking us today to slow down and enjoy the journey. There will always be another dream. Law, law, this is all law. Where's the gospel? Another goal, another challenge. Take time for what matters most. And some of you are so focused and driven, so busy with what you have to do each day, you're missing the miracles all along the way. Oh, no. Is that a sin? Will God judge me for that? You need to do like Frank Lloyd Wright and start zigzagging. Start in... Yeah, where's Frank Lloyd Wright mentioning the Bible again? You said, this is my Bible. Today I will hear the word of God. Enjoying the different things that God has put in your life. I heard somebody say, it's not that life is so short. It's that we wait so long to begin. Why don't you begin today? Take time to smell the roses. Yeah, why don't you begin a new life today by stopping and smelling the roses? Usually in the Christian church, when you're, telling, you're admonishing people to begin a new life, you're referring to regeneration, being born again to new life through the working of the Holy Spirit, through repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Apparently in Joel Osteen's religion, the new life is you making a decision to stop and smell the roses. Seriously. Appreciate the people in your life. Hug your children before you leave each day. Give your spouse a kiss. Call your parents and tell them how much you love them. Go visit those relatives you've been meaning to. Life is short. We're not always going to be here. That's right. Life is really short. We're not always going to be here. The Bible talks about teaching us to number our days. Yeah, because we're going to stand before the throne of God. Uh, you think God's up there you know, when you when you finally stand before the throne of God, God's gonna say, you know, I just I just have one question for you. Did you stop and smell the roses? And if you say yes, I listened to Pastor Joel Osteen, and he told me about the story of Frank Lloyd Wright, and you can see just God beaming and going, oh. Oh, a man after my own heart. And, and, and Frank Lloyd Wright, his little footsteps were all over the snow because he couldn't go anywhere in a straight line. And I learned the importance of stopping and smelling the roses. And God's going to go, oh, that's the best thing I ever heard in my whole life. Come on into heaven. Oh, let me give you a hug and a kiss. Oh, that's just the... Yeah, no. That's not what... <laughs> yeah, that's not what the Bible talks about. It's not even remotely close to what Jesus talked about regarding the day of judgment. You know, the life is short. That's right. 
Repent and be forgiven because shortly you're going to be standing before God in judgment. <sighs> Good to work hard, but you got to learn how to turn it off, stay in balance, and play hard as well. We're living in the good old days. And if you'll make this decision that you're going to slow down and enjoy the journey, then you will experience the fullness of what God has in store. Oh, really? So where in the Bible does it promise that if we, if we make a decision to slow down and enjoy the journey, that we will experience the fullness of what God has in store? One verse would do. I bet he can't find one, and neither can you. When you come to the end of your life, you'll have no regrets. You'll be able to say, I made the most of my life. I enjoyed my family. You'll have no regrets if you just do that one. Oh, really? It's, it's, apparently, that's all you got to do to you know, erase all your sins so that you have no regrets. Just choose to stop and smell the roses. Unbelievable. I enjoyed my friends. I finished my course with joy. Amen. Do you receive that today? No. We never like to close our broadcast. All right, we're done. Wow. The only mention of, of anything in God's Word was a partial verse from James chapter 4, verse 14. That was it. Were you taught the Word of God? And was that law or was it gospel? Remember, the gospel message, according to Scripture, not me, not Joel Osteen, not Martin Luther, not John Calvin, but according to Scripture, is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, and he died and was buried and was raised again on the third day in accordance with the Scripture. Did you hear anything about that? Did you hear anything about Christ dying for your sins? Did you hear anything about repentance and the forgiveness of sins? Oh, you heard a lot about behavior change. I mean, you got to change your behavior, stop and smell the roses, and apparently that's all you got to do to have a no-regrets life. Oh, I had no idea it was that simple. And yet it's not, is it? If you think it's simple, try it. Let me know how you do. That's all law. Everything that Joel Osteen preached in that sermon condemned you and condemned me. That was not anything except for basically diluted and toothless law that gums you to death. That wasn't the Bible. That wasn't God's word rightly taught. It was all law and no gospel. And ultimately, that sermon damned every one of its hearers. Because Christ and him crucified for our sins wasn't placarded, wasn't taught, there was no repentance, there was no forgiveness of sins. It was just all, here's the thing you've got to do, and then you can then have the fullness of God and have a no-regrets life. The reality is, is that the Bible doesn't promise you a no-regrets life, and it doesn't promise me that either. It promises me the forgiveness of sins for all of the sins that I've committed for which I am truly regretful. That's the difference. Need to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you, your generous gifts, and financial contributions in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith. Of course, if you would like to specify the amount, you can do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And just remember, we can't do what we do without you supporting us financially. 
So what would you think of that sermon? What would you think of the program? I'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to contact me and send me your thoughts, you can do so. My email address, talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and the mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.